Our reading is Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness light dawns for the upright, for the gracious and compassionate and righteous man. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked man will see and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. This is God's word. Good morning. My name's Matt. For those of you I haven't met, I'm one of the ministers here at Christchurch Mayfair. Let's, let's pray for God's help as we begin. Heavenly Father, we are men and women here this morning in need of change. Men and women who are aware that we are not the people you would have us be. Men and women who who yearn for more but are aware of our weaknesses. So Father, as you confront us in your word, please change us. Amen. Now look, a question I want to start with, or I guess pondering is this. How, how do you respond <clears throat> excuse me, when someone is, is held up as an example in life? How do you respond to someone who's held up as an example to follow, to be more like? Perhaps the, um, I don't know, in the Christian context, the great conference speaker, They'd never say this, but the lovely missionary couple with their gorgeous kids. Uh, that, that blogger mum who's able to bring up three kids who love the Lord, hold down a job, uh, and seems to be perfect in every way. Or the man who's, the Christian man who's made partner without compromising his faith. How do you respond when someone is held up as an example? Well, some of us instinctively respond with kind of grit, like, oh, set us a goal. Yeah, I see them. I want to be more like them. They seem to be successful, I don't know, in whatever sense, financially, relationships, in their walk with the Lord. Some people will be, oh, set us a goal, show us an example, and by God's grace, we'll say, oh, I want to be more like them. Some people respond like that when an example is held up. For some of us, that won't work as well. Uh, hold someone up as a, a sort of a, a successful example for us and a bit of us just dies inside as we sort of have to wrestle with those uh, emotions of inadequacy uh, and despair that will never be like them, of uh, sort of self-justification. Oh yes, but it's all right for them. If I was in her shoes, if I was a bit, if I had his um, whatever, it would be, it would be easier. 
respond like that. Some of us just, uh, be honest, respond with cynicism when someone is held up as an example. Yeah, but what would his wife say about him? Or uh, what's he really like behind closed doors? Which leads us to Psalm 112 that Jefferson read. Uh, Keep it open, it's page 614. Uh, We're starting a new series this morning, four weeks in the Psalms. I wonder then how you respond to this glorious example of success given to us in Psalm 112. You see, I don't think any of us could hope really to be, to be more than this man is. It's our first point. The many blessings of the man who fears the Lord. You see, let's make no mistake. This, this man who we've had described to us in Psalm 112, he, he is blessed. His life really by any objective standards, you could say, is a success. See, um, uh, you, you wouldn't spot this, but in, in Hebrew, this is what is called uh, an acrostic poem. That means that every line starts with a subsequent letter, A, B, C, A to Z. A to, a to, gosh, that's very American, wasn't it? A to Z, watching too much Sesame Street. A to Z, A to Z uh, in the Hebrew alphabet. Now, you, obviously, you wouldn't spot that uh, in the English translation, but I thought I'd have a little bit of fun. So this is the, this is the Matt Banks version of the Bible. Uh, praise the Lord. All, you see how A, B, C, D, E, F, you get that right. Uh, all happy is the man who fears the Lord. Bible reading is a great delight to him. Children he has will be mighty in the land. Descendants of his will be blessed. Elegant riches are in his house. Forever his righteousness endures. Gleaming sun will dawn even in darkness. Help comes from the gracious and compassionate and righteous man. In generosity he lends freely and good will come to him. Justice is the mark of how he conducts all his affairs. Kept steadfast, long into eternity will his name be remembered. Mornings where there is bad news won't make him feel fear. Nothing makes his heart skip a beat. He is steadfast in his trust of the Lord. Only security, not fear, will he have in his heart. People who are against him will not have the last word. Quenching poverty, he has scattered abroad his gifts. Forever his righteousness endures. Strength and honour will be seen to be his. The wicked man will see and be vexed. Until he finally wastes away, he will writhe in anger. Vaunted longings of the wicked will come to nothing. Do you feel that? The psalmist is wanting to say, look, this, this man is, is fully orbed in how sort of successful he is. The blessings he has are, are, are in every area of life. You can take it off now, Joe, thanks. And the root of this fully orbed blessing is there in verse 1. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. He fears the Lord. That doesn't mean, uh, to be really clear, it doesn't mean abject terror. It means awe. It means respect. It means the the day-by-day conscious realisation that... How your life pans out now and into eternity is determined solely by how you relate to this Lord. He fears the Lord and because of this, this man, this example in Psalm 112 is blessed in all areas of life. There's there's not a clear-cut structure 
but, but broader you can kind of group it, I, I suggest, as, as the handout says on the back of your notice sheets. Verses 1 to 3, personal and family blessings. 4 to 6, sort of blessings in wider society. 7 to 9, the blessing of being steadfast amidst trials. So verses, verses 1 to 3, sort of personal and family blessings. Uh, look at this guy, verse, verse 1, the second half of verse 1. He finds great delight in the Lord's commands. This guy's quiet times are not, are not a drudge. You know, no doubt that's one of the reasons why he, he is so blessed. But actually, isn't, isn't delighting in the Lord's commands uh, a, one of the sweetest of all blessings in and of itself? Isn't it one of the most wonderful things to, to walk in step with the Lord? Obedience to his commands is, is a joy, not just a begrudging duty for this man. And verse 2, his, his family is blessed as well. He's got, he's got lots to write home, write about in that sort of annual Christmas card letter that goes out. Verse 2, his children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. So his son is on the way to being an influential business leader. His daughter is a, leading, a leader in her area of medical research. Verse 3, wealth and riches, verse 3, are in his house. Each year the family home has more and more tasteful work done on it to make it more beautiful and more hospitable. And at this point we want to kind of hate this guy really because he sounds just a little bit too good to be true. I bet he's miserly. He's not. Verse 3. His righteousness endures forever. And and righteousness there I think is is more in terms of his, his, his good, the good he does, the good acts he does. But his righteousness, his good endures forever. It's not a kind of a token effort or, or to get some kind of tax break. It's ongoing, ongoing goodness. Verse uh, 4 to 6, speakers sort of move on into how these blessings pour out from this man into wider society. Verse 4, even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for the gracious and compassionate and righteous man. Actually, that, that, that second four isn't there in the original Hebrew. So I think actually a better way to read, read this is that our gracious and compassionate and, and righteous friend here who we're talking about, he himself is the light that dawns in the darkness. He himself is the blessing that flows out to other people. So that certainly seems to be how verse 5 continues. Look at verse 5. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely. This man is liberal with his generosity. Uh, glance down quickly to, to verse 9. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. Back again, second half of verse 5. This man conducts his affairs with justice. You won't find any of his staff on zero hours contracts. There won't be the, the whir of the shredding machines in his office when the tax man says he needs to come and do an inspection. When this time comes, his obituary in the Times newspaper won't need to whitewash his darker side because there isn't one. He will stand out in his generation. Verse 6. End of verse 6. A righteous man will be remembered forever. 
But in that, in, in that obituary, in the Times newspaper, it won't, it won't speak of a, a, a universally charmed life because there are, there have been, there will be difficulties for this man in Psalm 112. But verses 7 to 9 speak of this man's steadfastness amidst the trials of life. Verse 7. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. He's not saying there won't be bad news. He's not immune to the icy jolt of a dreaded medical diagnosis. There will be death and tears in his family. There may be wayward teenagers or grandchildren. There will be recessions. There will be economic instability. There will be hostility from people who resent the God-fearing stance he takes in issues of, of ethics and business. But verse 7 says that through those times, there will be a steadfastness of heart. Though the world around him will shake, his heart will be secure. And verse 8, he says that one day he will stand in triumph over those trials. End of verse 8. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. This man has the confidence that in the end, he will be seen to be on the right side of, of history, as it were. Look at verse 10. See, by contrast, the wicked man will see him be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. So this is a man, A, a to Z, of blessings. A to Z of, of success. Not in, not in a crass sense, but in a sense which all of us would, I think, yearn to emulate. But actually, there's, there's more than that. So have, just have a look up on the screen. This is a contrast between the psalm immediately before, Psalm 111, and Psalm 112. See, Psalm 111 is also one of these acrostic poems, every line starting A to Z. But Psalm 111 is an A to Z of how wonderful the Lord is. Psalm 112, our psalm today, is an A to Z of how wonderful the man who fears, or how blessed the man who fears the Lord is. And the psalmist is deliberately mirroring the, the phrases. So the Lord's righteousness endures forever. So does the righteousness of the man who fears him. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Well, so is the man who fears him. The Lord remembers his covenant with his people forever. And a righteous man who lives under that covenant is remembered forever. The Lord's precept or his word is steadfast forever and ever. The man who trusts in the Lord, his heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. So it's like the psalmist is making, not just saying this man is blessed in the individual, A to Z, but in the big picture, the, the blessing, the success of this man is that he mirrors his God. He is like his God. He enjoys perhaps that greatest of all blessings of being like God. Now that by any stretch of the imagination is quite an example to hold up for us, isn't it? And so I wonder, 
How do you respond to the example of this man in Psalm 112? All of us, I think, would like to be like him. I guess if you're, if you're not someone who'd call yourself a Christian here this morning, you'd be less bothered by the things like delighting in, in uh, the Lord's commandments. But in terms of uh, his integrity, his family, his resources that he has, all of us would aspire to be like this man, I take it. So how should we respond? Is this a realistic possibility for the Christian person here today? Well, one option would be to say, well, well no, it's not, it's not realistic for us now because these blessings are talking about blessings that we will only get in the new heavens and the new earth. That's, that's one way of taking it. Uh, in which case, the response that we would need would be, well, keep fearing the Lord now and one day all these kind of blessings will be yours. But actually, it's a, little, it's a little more complicated than that. If you flick on, flick on with me, would you please, to uh, page 1163. Keep a, keep a finger in the Psalms, just a quick flick. 1163. <clears throat> and 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8. See, in this part of 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthians, encouraging, uh, urging, exhorting them to to be overflowing in their generosity. And look, verses 8 and then 9, he's quoting from Psalm 112. So 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, and here's the quote, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. See, back to Psalm 112, that's a direct quote from verse 9. He's scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. So, so Paul doesn't just say, well, well, well the, the man described in Psalm 112, that's just a, that's a picture of blessings that you'll have in the new heavens and the new earth sometime in the future. Paul is writing with the assumption that to some extent, the man in Psalm 112 is the type of man or woman that we're to be now. This is not just for the world to come. And look, it's hard. We have to hold a sort of certain tension here. Uh, Let me be very clear. The teaching of Scripture never guarantees health, wealth, and happiness now. So this psalm is not a sort of a straightforward promise that, okay, uh, you sort of put into the equation, fear the Lord, and out pops automatically a kind of a peachy life in every single area. No, absolutely not. Please, uh, this is kind of a stop, pause, sort of sidebar. Please never believe the lie that if 
things are not working out well in terms of finances or health or family. It's because you're not a good enough Christian. And true, really good Christians have a peachy life. That, that, isn't, that isn't what the Bible teaches. Please let me just sort of triple underline, highlight that. But it's complicated because that quote from 2 Corinthians says that neither should we completely shelve the hope of being at least something like the man from Psalm 112. We shouldn't shelve it just for, oh, I'll be like that in the new heavens and the new earth. Somehow we are to live this now. So, the question is, how do we respond to the example of this man in Psalm 112? Well, look, there may, there may be some of us who have grown a little bit jaded, Uh, and cynical about progress in the Christian life. Perhaps we genuinely do need a little bit more sort of uh, spiritual ambition for ourselves, if you like. Perhaps the example of the man here in Psalm 112 is a a spur to hope for more. But there's a problem. Because what what are all the blessings of Psalm 112 contingent on. That's what we started with. Verse 1, fear of the Lord. And remember we said fear of the Lord is is awe, it is respect, it is conscious, day by day, minute by minute, recognition that the course of your life is determined by your obedience, your allegiance, your love for the Lord. And how good are you at that? Minute by minute, day by day. How good am I at that? Minute by minute, day by day. Not so good. Megan's smiling at this point. We're not that good at fearing the Lord. So the problem is that left to our own devices, we're not going to be that much like the man or woman, in Psalm 112. Perhaps then cynicism should reign. Perhaps cynicism is the right response to this until we get to the new heavens and the new earth. Is there much, is there any point in aspiring to much in the Christian life? Well, look, that's where our second point is so vital. The many blessings of the man who fears the Lord. See, the liberating truth is that actually, in the first instance, this psalm is not about us. See, all through the psalms, there's been, there's been this, if you like, echo from the future about a man, about a person, about a greater one yet to come. This echo from the future, we were introduced to this person in Psalm 2. As the one to whom God will give all nations as an inheritance. We learnt more about him in Psalm 45 as the one whose memory will be perpetuated forever. Most recently, just a a few Psalms ago, Psalm 110, we learnt about this, this person as the one who will rule in the midst of his enemies. And in Psalm 112, our Psalm this morning, we're getting a an even greater picture. Of, the, of this man, this person yet to come. In Psalm 112, we're getting fleshed out, if you like, a description of this great person to come who is the epitome 
of the person who fears the Lord and lives a life in his blessings. Because Psalm 112, in, in, its, in the first instance, is a, is a prophetic description of the man we know and love, Jesus. See, all of it we said is contingent on fearing the Lord. Well, Jesus is the person who came, who feared the Lord entirely. The description of him, Isaiah 11, of Jesus we are told, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. It is of Jesus we're told that when he came into the world, he said, here I am, I have come to do your will, O God. Jesus says to his disciples, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. So we're looking for a man who who fears the Lord, who delights in the Lord's commandments. Well, that man is Jesus. And it is he who lives the true blessed life. So we work again through those um, blessings that come to the man who fears the Lord in in the first point. Uh, So we talk of family blessings that come to the man who fears the Lord. Well, Jesus, we're told in Hebrews, died to bring many sons to glory. We're told in Hebrews that Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Jesus already is king over a family of billions that stretches around the globe and counts paupers and kings in its number. Talk of family wealth. Well, Jesus is the one whose destiny is to sit on the throne in a city whose main thoroughfare is translucent gold says Revelation 21. Speak of blessings flowing from the man who fears the Lord to wider society. We see, Jesus didn't just lend to the spiritually poor. Jesus died for the spiritually poor, for us, that we might become rich. To those of us living in darkness, Jesus' dawn shed the golden sunlight of salvation on us. Talk of the man who fears the Lord being steadfast in the trials of life. Well, Jesus is the one who could face hostility, betrayal, the death of loved ones, even his own agonizing death with a steadfast heart. Not a Zen-like detachment. No, he wept. But Jesus faced the trials of life with a secure heart that trusted the Lord. Talk of the man who fears the Lord triumphing over his enemies. Jesus has been given the name that is above every name, at which all knees bow. Talk about the man who fears the Lord being on the right side of history. Jesus said of himself, the stone that the builders rejected or thought was nothing is the cornerstone, is me, the centerpiece of history. Talk of the man who fears the Lord In Psalm 112, uh, reflecting God. Well, Jesus could say with complete integrity, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So again, the question, how should we respond? Well, I think this is a word against cynicism. Uh, I personally find this massively encouraging. Cynicism must not reign in my heart. There is at least one good person who has walked this world. And I praise God again for Jesus and all his perfection.
He is the one who is all that I am not. We must say more. You see, we're wrestling with this idea of, of example here. Yes, Jesus is an example. Jesus is <clears throat> the epitome, if you like, of Psalm 112, the example for us to follow. But the wonderful truth is that for a Christian, the example of Jesus is not just separate from us. It is not at arm's length from us. Jesus is not an arm's length example from us. Because the truth for a Christian is that we are in Jesus. This, this, this wonderful man who is described in Psalm 112, he is our Lord in whom, uh, as Colossians puts it, we are to do everything. All that we do is done in him. It's this glorious truth of, of union with Christ. And I think that is how we are to respond. Knowing that I'm in this man who already fears the Lord, who is already a success in terms of generosity and steadfastness, who himself completely reflects his God. Knowing that I'm already in him, that is what inspires me by God's grace and his strength to live like him. You see how that is different from a kind of arm's length example. It's not a case of kind of grit. I'm going to try really hard on my own to be better. It's not that. Nor is it an example that would leave us cynical or crushed. No one is like that. I could never be like that. As we read Psalm 112, our response is to have the joy, the deep sense that because we are in Christ, because Christ is like this, we are already living out what we are already like in him. The Christian person is to read of the man in Psalm 112 and think, Jesus is already like that and I am in him. I walk united to the man who is already like this, who is already the image of his God. And so I am to walk and live. And that says, be him. The Christian person says, in, in Jesus, I know that I am already transformed into, into a son who is, who, is, who is still wretched in how he lives his life, but who knows that his deepest desire is to fear the Lord and delight in him. In him, the Christian says and knows that, yeah, there will be ups and downs and trials in life, but our hearts can be steadfast because one day that we know that in him, we will look in triumph as more than conquerors on the trials of life. The Christian is the person who knows that in him, in Jesus, we already have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places and are heirs to all that is good in the world to come. In him, Psalm 112, in a sense, is already true of us. So we walk it, we live it in him because it is true of Jesus. So let's pray that the Lord would help us more and more to live out the life that is already ours in Christ Jesus.
Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. Our Father, that is not us. Left to ourselves, that is not us. But we praise you that that is Jesus. We praise you that this psalm is him. And we praise you that because of his death to forgive us our sins, because of your spirit who dwells in us, we are in him. And so that in him, this is true of us. And in that knowledge, please, Heavenly Father, help us to live and walk like him. Amen.